So today we have a special guest. We have Larry Burkhart. He's going to be sharing some insights on our study of wisdom today. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and let Larry okay. introduce himself. Okay, so um, let me get my time here. Long time. Um, I'm going to talk about um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways and He will direct your paths. So uh, that's going to be our verse we're going to talk about. Uh, but I wanted to um, tell you uh, a little bit about my story. Um, which is not, it's not, uh, it's not all that unique, but I think it, I've noticed over the last few years when you kind of establish these points of origins with people and stuff, you kind of understand what you're talking about. So, anyway, um, I'm I'm actually a Nashville, so um, Charlie's a Nashvilleian. Anybody else a Nashvilleian? Okay, got one back very rare, so there's about maybe three out of 12, 14. Uh, that's kind of the way it is now here. Um, but I grew up in um, the area of in Donaldson is where I grew up. So um, you know, if you drive through now there, it's about Kip D and it's Will Gibster and there's all these places to eat that have organic foods and there's hot yoga. Um, it, it definitely has become this place that it wasn't when I grew up here. It was very much a middle, middle class neighborhood. Um, I used to walk to school. Um, I tell people all the time that um, on, on my way to school, we would actually come off the road and walk down railroad tracks for about a quarter of a mile and cut over through someone's yard and go to school. You could never do that now, right? And it was just the way all of us did it in that neighborhood. Um, so um, things have changed so much. Um, I, I went to uh, public schools till high school, and then I went to David Lipscomb High School, and then I graduated in, uh, from David Lipscomb University in 1984 with an accounting degree and um, worked for the same company from uh, 1984 to 2022. So I had one employee that was Hospital Corporation, so I worked there. And I retired uh, uh, about a year ago. So um, that's and, and then you know to continue that on, um, I actually got married at the Old Water Creek Building. That's how I keep up with um, how long I've been going to church here, um, <laughs> which is about 37 years. And I've been a shepherd since uh, 2001. Um, which is an honor to be there for you guys. Um, so I thought I would kind of tell you a few things that are unique about me that might help this verse that we talked about, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Um, so um, 
even though all the things I just told you are pretty ordinary, um, there's some things that were, are probably not ordinary about me. I grew up in the Baptist church uh, for years and years and years until um, I went to Lexington University. Um, I met my wife there, Laura, who many of you know. I have three daughters that are all adult, grown, married, and three soon to be four grandchildren. Um, so um, that's a unique point. Um, I think the perspective that it gave me there was um, it was a very progressive Baptist church. It, it was it was it was kind of the Otter Creek of the Baptist churches that I went to. And those of you that been around Nashville may remember Two Rivers Baptist. It was one time it was five thousand people. It was over by Ockland, huge church. Had a gymnasium, you know, all those things that you could do back then. And it was super progressive. Um, so I, 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 early on, I was in this environment where, even though I guess in the scheme of things, you know, uh, Baptists are pretty conservative, my church wasn't. It had a lot of, uh, for instance, women participating uh, in a lot of things. Um, we, we, uh, did a lot of things with other youth groups, you know, which was, I think, I found out later was very unique. Um, anyway, it was a very open atmosphere. Um, it, 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 um, so I was baptized there in, in the Baptist church. Uh, the other thing that's unique about me is I'm biracial. So uh, my mother's Korean. Uh, my father was in the Korean War. And uh, in the Navy in 1951, and he met my mother. And uh, by the time he had been uh, discharged in the mid 50s, um, our, my oldest sister was born, and they came back to this country. Um, and then I had another sister, and then I was born in 1961. So. I, I say that, and the perspective it gave me there was um, I very much was in a biracial home. So uh, when I say that, I mean like we didn't like acclimate my mom to everything that everybody else does. She and my father, like I knew I was biracial. There were so many. Uh, people that I knew that were biracial that didn't really know it, you know, because their parents didn't really, and that was a good thing, you know, so we, uh, so what did we do? We ate a lot of ethnic foods from my mom. My mom kept a lot of customs. Um, her family, which was all still over there, would come a lot, and we would spend a lot of time with them. Um, so very much grew up in this biracial uh, family that um, in the 60s and 70s, and I tell people this, and it's hard for people to remember this, but there were hardly any Asian people in Nashville in the 60s and 70s. Almost zero. You see a lot of Korean churches around now, but there was zero, I'm telling you. Uh, so um, that was a very unique experience. My father um, respected my mom's culture so much that he made sure we always knew uh, that we were, uh, me and my sisters were half Korean. 
my sit my dad is was redheaded and blue eyed and freckled. So my two sisters would never even know that they're biracial. They're both blue eyed and white skinned. Uh, I, I got most of the Korean genes from her. And then my children are the same way. I mean, they're a quarter that you, you would never know. They tell people they don't believe them. So I grew up a, a Baptist. I grew up biracially um, in a biracial family. And then the third thing, which is probably the most impactful uh, thing that leads us back to this verse. My mother was mentally ill. So my whole life I grew up with a mentally ill mother. Um, uh, I didn't know that, you know, for most of my life. Uh, I just thought maybe that's the way she was raised in her culture. And, um, but she was mentally ill. Um, extremely um, strict, uh, especially with my sisters. Uh, but on top of that, she was just uh, verbally abusive to all of us for years and years. Um, it, 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 you know, like I said, I probably really didn't know that's what wasn't normal until maybe I was a young teenager. Um, but by the time I got to, you know, college years and so forth, it was very apparent that something was going on with my mother that wasn't going on. Um, my dad uh, was a great manager of her mental health. Um, he always fixed things behind her. Um, my mom, um, I don't know much about, uh, I, well, I'll say this. Her behavior was um, abusive to the ones she loved the most. So her children and her husband got the brunt of all her mental illness. Anybody that was in that next circle probably didn't even know, you know, she was this sweet little Asian lady to them. Um, but she was, I grew up in a, you know, in a family that, that had mental illness in it, which had a big impact on me. Uh, because I just didn't understand why, you know, this could happen in this family. Um, I try to make, I try to reason it a lot. Um, my mom grew up in uh, Incheon, South Korea. And if you know Korean War history, that's where the MacArthur's Marines hit the beach in the war. Um, her whole family was destroyed. Um, she lost three brothers in that war. Her grandparents were never found. Um, and when she left to come back with my father, the, the country was just war-torn and devastated. Um, so I always think maybe that had a lot to do with it. Um, she was only 19 when that happened. Um, so it, it, it could have done something along those lines. Um, but it, it had a really big impact on me. And, 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 and to continue that story, my father died in 2018, and my mom died this past year in 2023 in March. And for those last five years, I was her caretaker. Um, I'm a complete caretaker. So there wasn't one single day that I wasn't doing something for her or with her 
uh, and she still continued to be unhappy most of the time and abusive. Um, but, you know, uh, God definitely gave me patience. Um, we finished strong. Me and my sisters got together and said we were not going to, we are going to show her grace. We're not going to regret anything. So we did, and we finished really strong with her and took care of her. Uh, I mean, probably more than most people would have. Um, so a little bit about um, hobbies, and then I want to go into the verse. Um, probably the most unique hobby that I have is um, I'm a beekeeper. So I have hives. Um, some of you have gotten some of my honey over the years. I just took a batch last week. You typically take honey in July after that spring nectar flow. And then if you have a pretty decent summer, you can take some in October. You don't get near as much, but um, you do in October, you're taking the food, so you're going to have to really watch how much you take. Uh, so I probably got 20-something gallons of honey this year. Got jar and, uh, it, It's, you know, it's... Uh, I like bees because they, to me, it's just a, a living example of the creation of God. And if you know anything about bees, I'll spend just a little bit on that. They are... Uh, very unique. They all have a unique job. For the most part, they're all girls. They're sheeps. Um, there are worker bees that go out and forage and bring in honey. There are bees that guard the entrance. There are bees that their job is to pick the hive clean. You see them pushing out dead bees all the time out of the front. There are bees that uh, are nursery bees. They feed the babies all the time. Uh, there are bees that are the queen's court, and they clean her and feed her, and they all have a unique job that they all have to do or it doesn't work. And if you keep bees, you have to make sure all that's working. If one of those pieces fail, you hide it. Um, there's one queen in each hive. Um, the the uh, bees will live about 35 days and I'll pretty long, so she's got to be very prolific in laying eggs. In the winter, they'll live about twice that long. But um, uh, even though these, uh, her court cleans her and feeds her, they watch her. So if she's, if she's starting to age, they live about four years. If she's not laying eggs, enough eggs, they will create a new queen and push her out. That's how you have swarms. Um, so here's another unique thing about these. The gender of a bee is determined by what they feed. So, uh, you know, we're, we're just not used to hearing that. What they feed, that little larva determines if it's a boy or a girl. So they manage how many boys are born, which are the drones, and all they do is mate, and then they push them out of the hive. So they're gone by the end of the time. And then the queen is in there. If she's not prolific, they'll start feeding the small bee a different food 
called royal jelly, and that turns that little larva into a queen. And then they push her out. So the new queen stays, old queen is pushed out. And, and half the bees go with her. That's what So very unique, uh, unique hobby. Um, it's, there's an incredible network of people that you would never know to do it. And they're, they're pretty loyal to each other. Um, I thought I would tell you, um, this is the last part of my story, and we're going to talk about the birds. Um, some stuff I'm reading right now, some people like to know that. Um, I'm reading this book called The Blue Parakeet. I'm about halfway through. Very good. Scott McKnight. Josh quotes him a lot. Um, Y'all will be the first to know, I think, we are going to have a class uh, in February. January is going to be the elders teaching, but February we'll start our spring teaching. And we're going to have a class, some, some, maybe not called that, but something along those lines. And, and uh, David, you've read this book. Right? So um, I would probably summarize that book in saying it, it, it's a commentary on how to read the Bible. So, um, which, <laughs> that really kind of sounds crazy. You know, I read it and it says, you know, but it, it's a lot more complicated than that. And, um, it, it, it basically shows this long history of how uh, Christians have adapted the world. Even though we don't want to admit that, we have. And so when there are times when, you know, like we're going through this uh, uh, women and elder things, people are like, well, it says, you know, this book kind of helps you understand the adapt. Uh, one of the examples he gives in there that's the strongest to me is at the Lord's Supper, Jesus uses the same words about washing feet that he does drinking the blood and bread. The same exact words. Okay? Do this and remember. Do this to each other. Do this and remember. It is a command. Okay? So somewhere down the line, right? We've said, maybe we don't do that one, but we'll do these other two. So, uh, anyway, I'm reading the Blue Parakeet. Um, really good book. It's not very old. I mean, it's really old, but it's called In Search of the Twelve Apostles, which is this guy spent 30 years researching what happened to the apostles after Jesus rose from the dead and was resurrected and uh, went to heaven. It's, there's just tons of writing that's not in the Bible about what happened to these men and where they ended up. A lot of them in Europe, uh, Russia, tons of North Africa. Uh, Thomas was was uh, ended up in India. There are Christians, St. St. Thomas Christians in India or his legacy. Um, Andrew ended up in uh, 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 UK, Britain. Um, that's why the St. Andrew's Cross was used as for Crusaders, was because he lived there and had a legacy there and was buried there. So I'm reading that also. Um, so let's talk about the text. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He will make your paths straight. So, um, I think uh, if 
if you heard my story about what went on in my home as I grew up, the reason I told you that is, you know, I, I always had to trust that what was going on in my family was uh, that God knew what was going on. And I always had to know that I can't reason these out. You know, how this uh, woman who, I mean, remember now, she has no family here. We're all she's got. Me and my sisters and father and his family. And how she does everything she can to make us not like her. Um, so there was no reason. Um, and and um, when I think about um, so I'm those of you who do Enneagram, I'm a five investigator. I like details. My job at work is always in details. I love to overthink everything. Um, and the, the reason this verse means so much to me is I tried and tried to overthink this. And uh, we tried and tried to treat my mother. You know, there was no reason. There was no... Uh, I, I think when it says... Um, not on your own understanding what what the water there is saying is um, there's no logic in this and you're never with it. You can't reason this through, you can't look at examples, you can't write things down that lead you to this logical conclusion. So don't try, just trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Um, so I thought what I would do is, I think the, the big part of that verse in there is the trust piece that leads it is to me. Um, and I want, I'm not going to call on you unless you just want to share it, but I want everyone to think of, uh, like, in their own lives where they've had to just trust in God. Things weren't making sense around them. Things are not logical. Why did this happen? Just think about a time um, when that may have happened, and and did you did you trust God in that situation, or did you try to like like I did a lot in my life with the I am the I am the king of trying to resolve things without God's help. I will confess that to you. My first, even now. Uh, react to any issues. How can I fix this? What am I going to do? Let's get this thing fixed. And uh, uh, I know my biggest weakness in my life is reliance on myself instead of God. But think about a time when uh, you could you didn't rely on yourself, or maybe you did. Because I'm going to give you some examples of when people trusted God and what happened. And these are all in the Bible when, when um, people didn't. And I think some of them will surprise you because I had a, a, I really thought through some of these to kind of give you some examples. So take about five seconds or ten seconds. Just think of a time. I'm not going to call on you, but I just want you to kind of get that in your mind. A time where you just didn't really understand what was going on and it doesn't make any sense. And there's no reason this should be happening. It's not happening to anybody else. Why is it happening?
Okay, so I'm going to try to, I'm going to give you some examples of when people didn't trust in God. And sometimes there were consequences of that that, that, that still are still happening even to this day. Um, does anyone know a time, I've got two times, and, and, and so Abraham is the uh, father of our faith, right? Can anybody think of a time where he didn't trust in God? I mean, he trusted him when he told him to uh, kill his son, right? It's obvious. But what about when he didn't trust him? Anybody know? When what? His wife, right? His wife. <coughs> okay, so here's the first one. You know, when you go back and look, I read this and read this and read this. Uh, you know, when God calls Abraham, He tells him, "Go to this land. This is what I'm going to do for you. This is what's going to happen to your descendants." So, what does He do? He goes, but He brings Lot. God didn't ask Him to bring Lot. He brought him on his own. He brought his nephew. So, why did He do that? You know, we don't know. Maybe He brought us in a running around the bad crowd and you need to get him out of there. Or who knows? But if you follow that story, Lot cost him all kinds of problems the rest of their lives. Uh, you know, you can read all those yourself. But he didn't trust God in that situation with Lot with him. Um, you mentioned it was Sarah. So um, you know God told him he was going to have a son. They're going to be thick as the sand in the sea. And, you know, Sarah uh, gives uh, our handmaid to him. He fathers a child. And what do we have happening right today? Those are the descendants, right, of Ishmael. So uh, very, very biblical and prophetic what's going on today. And that's a repercussion of, you know, he and Sarah not trusting what God told them was going to happen and not willing to wait. Um, so it continues down in that same lineage. Um, you know, the story of Rachel and Jacob where they deceived Isaac. You know, they don't trust. When, when, when Jacob is born, they are told, you know, um, he's going to be the one that will carry the line, uh, not not Esau. But she had to, she didn't trust that, so she went and made a decision and kind of made it happen on her own. And there are repercussions of that right to this day. Um, and also in the Old Testament, this guy's whole life was about not trusting Saul. I'm, I'm, the more I read about Saul, the more I'm convinced that God removed him uh, because he didn't trust him. How many times? I mean, Saul even consults witches, the witches of Endor, before he does Samuel or, 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 and others. Um, he was constantly disobedient. He was constantly uh, uh, doing things he shouldn't and then trying to go back and fix it. 
he, he, he was one of the most, and I'm, I'm convinced God removed him because he could not be trusted. Uh, Moses at the Rock of Miramar. So, you know, God says, talk to the rock, and he gets it. And pretty, pretty bad punishment for that. He doesn't get to go into Israel. That's, a, that's harsh, right? Um, probably the, the largest uh, example of not trusting is the Israelites and the spies. And they paid 40 years for that, right? Um, because they just, I mean, when you think about it, that was a true test of God saying, do you trust in me? I told you. I told you what I'm going to do. I split the Red Sea. I have followed you with a cloud and a fire. I have protected you. I have provided you food. I mean, when I read all of that this week, I was like, how in the world? I mean, if any of y'all saw a, a cloud of fire at night and I mean, a fire pillar at night and a cloud during the day that God was in, would you not believe? You know, but we do it all the time, right? We see things all the time that God does and we don't really trust Him. But to me, that was the ultimate uh, lack of trust by people. Um, David and the census. So God says, you're my man. Your kids are going to be kings. There's going to be a Messiah that comes out of your line. Uh, David is insecure and asks Joab to do a census of his army just to make sure he's got enough men to protect himself. He didn't trust in God. I wonder if because all of these stories are 100% accurate and they also point to something that I guess I struggle with of that I see God working in in these areas or this big thing yeah. but when it comes to something small it and not that yeah. Yeah. going back to Abram not like the, you know, the birth of a child is a small thing but it's well what when do you lean on her like it's easy for me yeah. to ask when do I lean on God and when is it my responsibility to to fix things or to do something yeah. myself and, and so I, I, I get why there's such a struggle for all these people sometimes because there's God definitely works sometimes but there's sometimes where God doesn't work in the way that I think he should or in the way that it seems as if you know this is where God's leading you because in the case to defend a- a- Abram it's like God told him this is what was going to happen, and like, how long do you want me? And how much right. older do you want me to get, God? Right. You know, and so it's great right. point. Yeah. Almost all of these examples, uh, there was a time lapse between when God asked them to trust Him until when they didn't. It wasn't like they walked out of the door and did anything. You're right. It was, there was a time lapse. One of these I have that I felt like was very individual. And it was at the moment it was Peter on the Sea of Galilee. Trust me, Peter. And he didn't. And he almost fell in the ground. Um, but like David said, that was a preparation for Peter. So it's not all, you know, God uses that too. Um, I looked at some stories of Samson. I think Samson had a trust problem with a lot of people. Um, and then obviously the, the king of of doubting his comments, right? So, uh, anyway, 
So let's look at, I've got better, I've got good examples too. And there's some people on both sides of this. So good examples of trusting um, Abraham and Isaac. I mean, the, the most trustworthy story, I think, that we read all the time. He was willing to sacrifice his son just because God asked him to. Um, I think the, a, a person who lived what we're talking about here was Joseph. You know, like David said, it happened probably over a 20-year period. It wasn't a 20-year period of where, you know, he is uh, bullied, sold, into slavery, put in prison, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, before uh, the end of the story comes. had to be a lot of trust. I can imagine uh, Joseph sitting in prison in, in Egypt and saying, why is this happening to me? Why did my brothers do this to me? There's no reason to this. Um, another good example, I think, is uh, Moses' mom. I'm not sure what her name is. I couldn't find her. But she had a lot of trust, like to put her baby in a basket and push it down like an aisle for, for someone to find him. Um, I just, Josh has mentioned it a couple of times about, or someone has about, how when you're reading Leviticus, it says, but, you know, I read through that again. And just the elaborate detail of how God told the Israelites to do all the implements, how to build the tabernacle, how to dress the priests. And they did it. They trusted it. You know, for once, they did what he said. They made all the candlesticks, the altars, the, the ephod, uh, the hat for Aaron, the tassels, the bells, um, down to the detail, and then uh, the candlesticks, everything. They did all of that, and they trusted him. He tells them how to build each panel that goes around the tabernacle, and they did it. Uh, some uh, ladies that I put in here, Esther, I think Esther really trusted God that when she went before the king, he wasn't going to cut her head off. He had every right to. Uh, and just a long story about that. Um, I think I'm, I've never had none of my friends as well. So Rahab, or they say Bob, but Rahab, you know, she trusted that when she um, let the spies free, that when they came back, they weren't going to kill her, and they didn't. And she ended up being in the lineage of Jesus before it was all said and done. Um, I think Ruth had a large trust in God. And it brought her, you know, to uh, the Holy Land. And David ended up being, her, I think, her great grandson. He David did before it was all said and done. I think uh, Joshua at Jericho trusted in God. And when you read the story about going out, blowing your horns, marching around the city every day. And in the last day, doing it seven times and then blowing the horn. I mean, that's that's really kind of comical when you think about it. I'm sure these guys up on the walls were jeering at them and blowing stuff at them. And, um, I think Caleb trusted God. He and Joseph were the only two that said, I'm willing to go. God said he would do this and we just need to do it. Um, Gideon. 
Gave him trust with God. Uh, he had his ones there. He did. <laughs> he tested God. He did. Um, the person who Jesus describes as more faith than anyone here at the Roman centurion, of all people, uh, you know, it said, don't even, you don't even have to come to my house. Just say it. Just say it. Um, I, I went to, uh, any, has anybody here been to Israel? So I went, it's probably been six years ago, it's part of church group here. Um, and um, this event here happened in Capernaum, which is right on the sea. Uh, we, we spent a ton of time in Capernaum. Uh, they call it Capernaum. Um, but it, 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 Capernaum was a, it was a Jewish village, but it had a high concentration of Roman soldiers in it. There was an outpost there. So I totally understand why there was a Roman centurion there, which meant, um, if you know Roman uh, army history, that means he had 80 to 100 men under him. Um, if, if he was a senior centurion, he had 600 under him. So there's a large outpost of Romans in, in uh, Capernaum. Jesus was spent more time in that city really than almost anywhere else. Um, I think a, a trusting, uh, another trust story is David and Goliath. Um, I think he, you know, there's been a lot of debate on why David was so confident that he was, I mean, he doesn't say, he says, I'm going to kill this guy. Right? I mean, go back and read it. He's not, he's not saying, I'll, I'll, I'll try to do, you know, but he's like, God told me I'm going to kill him. So, there's been a lot of writing on people that think God really did tell him, we're going to go out and kill this guy. So he already knew that before he went out there. He was going out. Uh, Job, long-suffering Job, I think a lot of trust. Um, and then lastly, I think Mary and Joseph, right? A lot of trust there. Uh, I mean, just, just think about the story of Mary and the angel of Gabriel coming to her and telling her what's going to happen. She just says, I'll do it. And Joseph, same way. Uh, you know, never questioned it. Uh, Joseph takes his kid to Egypt, brings the kid back. Just on one word from God, so a lot of trust there. So, so trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't try to reason it. Don't try to make it make sense. Acknowledge Him in all your ways and He will make your paths straight. When I, when I taught this, uh, the last thing I'll say here is when I taught the class, the same class in here on the 23rd Psalm, I talked to you about uh, He guides me down a path of righteousness for his name's sake. And I, I, I think if y'all remember, it's the same word here, this path word. It's the same that he uses in uh, 
uh, uh, 20, uh, Psalm 23 in here. And, and if y'all will remember, if you were in that class, half is the interpretation of that word, the Aramaic word, is daily life. So he will make your daily life straight. And, 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 and that's what it says here. It's the same exact word. Anybody have any questions, comments? Going all the way back, you said you got about 20 gallons. Out of, how many hives is that? Uh, three. Three? Yeah, so um, each of these hives have about 50,000 bees in them. So there's a lot of bees in them. So, uh, I mean, when you have 50,000 of anything overnight, a lot can happen, right? And I've gone in there and looked and there's been no honey. And in two days, it's full. So, it's, it's, you know, they just do what they can do a lot of so I've probably been stung 200 times. I know I'm not allergic to my Barely. <laughs> um, in fact, when I got this last thing, some they are the incredibly good about finding any kind of little opening. So, one of them got in my suit and my veil, and he was just flying around here, and I didn't want to be stung in the face. So, he got back on the top of my head, and I just smashed it <laughs> and stung it. But I thought, I'd rather be stung up here. Because when you get stung around the face, I get, you get swollen up. Uh, and they go right through your eyes. They, are, they go right through your face. Um, I've been reading some more recent stuff about this. They do recognize people. So uh, they're very pheromone-based, so they know my smell. That's how they align with their queen. Uh, but they recognize faces. So uh, a lot of times that's not good because when I go out there, I just like, suck right up to my uh, uh, head. But honey is the messiest thing you've ever done. Um, you, you get it out, and in about five seconds, they're all back in it. My wife was upstairs in our house yesterday, grumbling about something. I was like, "What is this? Every door knob up here is sticky." That's it. Thank you for sharing, yeah, Larry. Would you uh, be willing to close us in prayer? Yeah. We will. Thank you.